welcome everybody. Uh, uh, I'm Andrew Savage, uh, Architecture and Design Business Development Manager for WeatherTex in New South Wales. Today we welcome uh, Matilda Martin and we're going to be talking about biophilia and the built environment. Matilda is a sustainability advocate with a degree in interior architecture and a passion for the environment. Um, Matilda is also passionate about sustainable practices and biophilia. Simply put, Biophilia uh, focuses on those aspects of the natural world that have contributed to human health and productivity in the age-old struggle to be fit and to survive. Biophilic design seeks to connect our inherent need to affiliate with nature in the modern built environment. And Matilda has a broad range of career experience in various design, retail and sustainability fields and recently has started a new role. Um, Matilda's strong interest in human behaviour and sustainability, plus her belief that the built environment offers the opportunity to make a difference, has made Matilda a passionate campaigner for creating healthy environments through biophilic design. So welcome, Matilda. Thank you so much, Andrew. Um, let's get started with Matilda. So Matilda, in my introduction, I mentioned biophilia, I guess, in broad terms. What's your take on biophilia? What does it mean? Thanks, Andrew. Uh, so biophilia is a pretty funny word, that's for sure. But the meaning is pretty simple when you break it down. So I like to split it in half or sort of semi in half. And my understanding is that the word bio means life or living things. And the word philia means to have like the innate or, um, you know, intense love of something. So really simply put, biophilia means the love of living things. And I, I love that explanation. So it's actually a theory that was um, coined many decades ago from a psychologist called Eric Fromm. But I think it was actually made really quite popular in the 80s when two scientists, um, Stephen Kellett and Edward O. Wilson, they joined forces and they published this book called The Biophilia Hypothesis. And it's a really fantastic book, really detailing the theory. And I reckon since then, there have been so many books and papers and research articles surrounding the theory and, and the benefits that it has on humans. And, and that's my favourite thing. You know, the book really, um, you know, it, it captures this essence. You know, it says that humans have the urge to affiliate with other forms of life. So we have this urge to be surrounded by living things. And I think that's the really interesting thing, you know, all the research points toward the benefits that we actually gain from being exposed to nature, you know, whether it's um, mental restoration or increased healing time or just de-stressing or even behaviour change, you know, the possibilities within the realm of biophilia are, are certainly worth exploring. So for us as professionals in the built environment, uh, it's about designing spaces that allow or you know, dare I say it, even foster this connection between the human occupant and the natural world. Um, that's where you would, you know, usually hear this term biophilic design. And it's where we would use, you know, design principles from biophilia. And I can share my screen if you like and um, just show you some pictures quickly. I'd love you to. So are you going to um, show us some, some examples of, of buildings that you... Not yet, Not but yet. I will okay. show you. Um, can you see that? We can, yes. So I, I am a pretty visual person. So I like to have something visual when I'm explaining something. So I'm going to break the principles, biophilic principles into three. So this is nature in space. And nature in space relies on uh, what you would call visual or non-visual connections to nature. So that's 
you know, the, the physical presence of nature in a space, uh, be it vegetation or animals, uh, bodies of water. And then it can also be as simple as having access to natural sunlight on your skin or, or being able to gauge those changes in the day through changing temperatures and having natural ventilation. And the second principle is nature analogues. And this is when we're relying on natural colors, um, patterns, biomorphic forms, anything that really symbolizes something natural. So it's when we're looking to nature for this sort of inspiration. And that's nature analogues. Mm. And the third one is uh, nature of the space. And it could potentially get a little complex, this one. Um, I'm still researching heavily, <laughs> um, but this one, relies on spatial elements that we would actually experience in nature that are then brought into the interior environments um, through the built environment um, professionals. So it's, you know, spaces where we would uh, have expansive views and within biophilia, this is called prospect, you know, being able to see what's coming up. Uh, it's also about having um, spaces of safety and refuge and then when we can get really cool and, and nifty is to create places of, of mystery and intrigue and even risk and peril, you know, place this sort of things that we would experience um, in the natural world. And that, yeah. that to me is really exciting. I will stop sharing that because I am. They're all beautiful examples of design, weren't they? I mean, they're all very different, but there was just, I felt myself emotionally reacting to um the the inclusion of nature especially the first one that showed the older building where they'd created the atrium and and the sort of almost like a forest the other one which springs to mind is singapore airport i haven't yeah. seen it yet but apparently that's incredible and they even created their own little sort of ecosystem in there um, so i guess that segues into what are some of your favorite biophilic building designs and, and why do you like them this was really hard and i know <laughs> I, I know I probably should have favourites, but I don't like to play favourites. So I think what I will do is I'll show you examples of um, buildings that I've come across recently that I felt really inspired by, because I'm always, you know, keeping one eye open to, to, to new designs or even designs that have been around for a little while that I think just, you know, grasp this concept so well. Um, I want to stipulate before I share that um, I actually don't know if the designers or architects have looked directly at the theory of biophilia to inspire their work, but I think it's worth uh, highlighting because there's some elements in these designs that are just fabulous. Um, I will share my screen. To, to my mind, the biophilia concept, it's always been there, but calling it biophilia and and creating a we're sort of creating a science around it now aren't we we're sort of we're putting some theories in place we're putting some data out there as well to show that this connection with nature is innate uh the yeah. desire for the connection of, of nature is innate and um and, and and again we're seeing some incredible examples here talk us through these oh, i love this example and if i ever make it to america this is where i'm going first so this is a second home it's actually a co-working space in hollywood um i do use it as an example in my keynote but i've made sure that i've used different examples <laughs> so no one gets bored um but this one i mean straight off the bat you can see that the top of those buildings um they look so organic you know they almost look like a tree canopy on their own and down here on the left you can see this gorgeous little child walking through and they are completely surrounded by vegetation mm -hmm. you know they have access to natural light 
And then you can see, you know, the curve of this pathway, you know, as they curve around, it creates that natural sense of intrigue, you know, what's, what's around the corner. Uh, and then inside, you can see these um, gorgeous women speaking and you can see that, you know, they have access to natural light. They have these 360 degree views of nature, which is just um, phenomenal when you're trying to be productive and work. And the interiors also have, you know, some organic shapes and natural materials. And I just, I just love this one. It's, it's, it's low rise too, isn't it? It, it looks yeah. like it's a single story building, which obviously um, is, is, is more connected to the ground and potentially to nature than say multi-story. I absolutely agree. And that's a really good point. In fact, if um, any of you want to be studious, Googling this is kind of quite terrifying because they have this long shot and you can see just Hollywood and, and not a particularly pretty part of Hollywood. You know, it's very industrialized. It's very high rise. It's very... Um, well, LA is not the prettiest town in America, that's for sure. <laughs> You said it, I didn't. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, you've got this, it looks almost like a park or a jungle in the middle of it. It's just, it's just stunning. I think it's mm, great. It's inspired. And this is like a, like a, an office, um, serviced office type facility. Yeah, yeah. It's a big co-working space. So, co-working um, space, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, no, don't apologise. So they're all um, different, different offices. And then there's also, you know, bigger buildings that you can have meetings in and, and stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Um, I've got another one as well. So this is one of the new ones that I have just become a little bit obsessed with. This architecture firm just blows my mind. So this is um, Karen Blick Blixen's Plass uh, in Denmark. And it was actually designed just as a space to store your bikes for the surrounding buildings. So mm. underneath that mountain is where you would ride in and you would just store your bike in there. But look at this amazing example of urban design. You know, they've just captured that um that feeling of being in nature it forces you to engage with the nature around you as you you sort of navigate around these organic um shapes and even the undulation of the space i think that's amazing i know it's a bit sort of you know a girl can dream but we probably don't want those in our in our homes um, might be really hard to get to the bathroom if you had a mountain to cross beforehand but in an urban environment i think this is just such a good example of how to you know, bring that sort of natural element into, you know, what is very much a, a, a concrete square. And it's an engaging sort of design too, isn't it? It's something that you sort of, like you said before, there's intrigue, what's around the corner, what's over that next hill, what's in that little cave there? So you're probably sort of encouraged to explore, aren't you? Yeah, that's absolutely true. And when you're actually inside um, the little cave, there's these sort of big um, circular windows that just look up uh, into the heavens, you know. So once you're in there, you'd probably forget you're in the middle of a, a quite dense city because you're only seeing, um, you know, open skies through that little mm. portal. It's beautiful. Wow. Is that in Copenhagen? Did you say it was in Denmark? Yeah. 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 So that's where I'll be going next time too. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm allowed out of my house. Mm. Um, the next one is, uh, so you may see I have quite an obsession with Danish architecture. Mm. Um, so this is a collaboration between um, 3XN and some other um, architectural and design firms. Now, this is an architectural render, um, but as I said, I'm always keeping my eye open for, for new buildings that, you know, just um, are built to connect with the surrounding environment because I just think it's so important for us even to see an example like this. So this is going to be a natural history museum. And you can see it's sort of built on this, I would say, almost, um, you know, wetland, marshland. 
and not only is the the shape super organic anyway like that to me just makes me want to go there tomorrow um the inside is gorgeous it's letting in this this beautiful natural light and then it's actually designed to give these little um uh, don't actually know if you can really see it but down on the bottom left hand side down the very bottom where it's probably the lightest it's actually like a little window that points out towards um points out towards the river so as you're actually navigating through this space you have these little glimpses of nature and it would be quite difficult to ignore i think um but one of the things i want to highlight uh is the top of the building so they're planning on actually just extending that nature park that is completely surrounding this building to actually go across the building as well so it is public space um, and if you're just going for a jog in the morning you can actually jog on top of this museum and completely connect um, on a completely different level than if you were just on ground level and I just think this is such a great way to engage uh, community, engage the surrounding um, environment all, all in one. I think it's fantastic. And it's a huge building. You look at the scale, especially on the lower right picture, you can see the people in there. It's an enormous yeah. building, but because of its organic shape, it's it doesn't seem as big as it is. Uh, I think the design is very clever in that respect. I think it's gonna be really beautiful. Um, and I do have one more, I believe. Yes, I do. I needed an Australian one because <laughs> you can see I favour the Danes a little bit sometimes. Um, I was born in Denmark, so that's why I have to say that. I, I just, I'm attracted to them. I can't help it. Um, but this, this was actually um, pointed out to me by um, a fantastic new connection of mine uh, recently. So she actually works in this building. Um, it's by FJMT, of course, Geniuses. Uh, and it is in Victoria. It is a great example of when something is inspired directly from nature. So FJMT went out and they researched and they talked to the Indigenous owners of the land um, and they heard lots of different um, Indigenous stories and they picked a few that really stood out to them. But one of them was about Bunjil the eagle. And so they actually um, created this complete building on the premise of this beautiful eagle. And you can see their sketch up on the right hand side there. And it's just meant that there's real like organic um, sort of ephemeral quality to this building. And the building itself is actually, um, what's the word? It's used for lots of different purposes. So I think there's actually government agencies in there. I think there's a theatre. Um, it's very collaborative. And I think that just sort of uh, sums it up really, you know, making a really beautiful organic building for lots of different people to experience is just that's the want. <laughs> it's stunning. It might be easier for you to get down to Victoria than Denmark and that's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, and, and Hollywood. One step at, the at a time. Yeah, but it's an amazing building. I love the timber inside, and you know we talk a little bit at WeatherTech about timber and its sustainability and what have you. But the thing that is really, I guess, engaging about timber as well is the smell of it. And so yes. I would imagine a bit like the Marrickville Library here in Sydney. Well, down in Sydney, I don't live in Sydney anymore. Um, at a much smaller scale, when you go inside, you can smell the plywood lining and that engages your olfactory senses, which are connected with nostalgia and emotion and so on. So again, it's another way that we can be biophilic, I'm guessing. 100% agree. Mm -hmm. What is the most amazing thing that you think biophilia can do for us, Matilda? Oh, well, Andrew, I'm a bit of a sustainability gal. So I think my favorite thing that I've discovered biophilia can possibly have the ability to do 
for us is actually reconnect us emotionally with nature. So I speak about this quite a lot, but I feel as though when we feel emotionally connected to something, we actually feel more responsible for it. Um, you know, my theory is, you know, if you have like a house plant or a pet, you know, you have this emotional connection to it. So of course you're going to feel more responsible for it. And I think, you know, if we feel more connected to nature through biophilia in our design, and that's, you know, having it in our offices, but also uh, producing that as a part of our job, um, then perhaps we're encouraging people to feel more inclined to protect it. Yeah. And look, biophilia could be as easy as having indoor plants, really, can't it? I mean, through my own experience, we now have a bit of a small jungle in our, in our bedroom, <laughs> and I've been sleeping so much better. Uh, peace lilies we've got three of those in there and they produce a lot of oxygen apparently and and i've been sleeping so much better i don't know if it's psychosomatic or whatever but since we've had plants in the bedroom it's been uh, a healthier experience and so i guess on the converse what happens if we if we if we lack exposure to biophilia um well i think we all know what it feels to be exposed to sterile environments because i think whether we're conscious of it or not in the moment we're exposed to them all the time you know think highways through highly industrial areas even shopping centers or supermarkets uh, hospitals train stations um we have these designed environments that don't particularly offer us any life so there's nothing living in these spaces um, and perhaps that's a bit of a harken back to the industrial environment, you know, thinking of, uh, you know, production and invention being, you know, the, the main thing that we're thinking of and perhaps not such a focus on, on nature anymore. But I think, you know, a lot of studies have come out and, and said that, you know, the, the converse of, of biophilia is that we can potentially be experiencing um, mental fatigue, you know, heightened stress levels. Um, you know, disconnection from, from nature and community. And so, you know, as, as a biophilia sort of enthusiast and, and just wanting to promote this theory, I would really challenge you to, to perhaps even think about, you know, where do I want to take a holiday? You know, what, what are your first thoughts? Are they something natural? You know, are they a beach? Are they a forest? Are they a countryside? You know, I think we've all begun to start craving nature. And I think that's totally normal because we're not, all lucky enough to be exposed to it in this sort of great way in our day-to-day -day lives. So I would argue that, um, you know, we shouldn't accept it um, and that we should stop trying to reserve that connection to nature for, for just holidays or weekends away. Yeah, in certain cultures, um, I guess exposure to nature is very, very important. Now I think of the Japanese culture where a lot of, like Australian people, Japanese people live highly urbanised lives in very crowded cities in very, very small apartments, a lot of them. And so it's important for uh, people living in those situations to get out to the countryside. And within 40 minutes of Tokyo on the bullet train, you can be up in sort of the north area. I'm trying to think of the name of the place, but it's an incredibly beautiful natural area. And a lot of Tokyo citizens get up there every weekend and um, check out the place, um, go to the various um, parks and, and what have you and uh, art galleries and everything that they've got up there. Uh, and it's, uh, it's something that sort of really sticks in my mind. Uh, one particular uh, museum they had, which was in amongst on the side of a mountain, and you could always see Mount Fuji every now and then appearing through the mist. It was mythical and magical. And then you go back to Tokyo, which was a lot of it is a concrete jungle and, and, and very highly densely uh, populated. 
So, so when it comes to existing buildings and existing and uh, built environments, um, it, it, is it possible to retrofit biophilia or is it something that is best planned from day one at the design stage? Uh, look, it would be amazing if it was implemented in the beginning stages of a project. You know, I, I think it's really important to consider things like biophilia and sustainability and, you know, landscape design and the implications of your building and your work on the environment and, and you know, your neighbours. Um, now, I don't think um, this would occur with any of your viewers, Andrew, because, you know, WeatherTex is such a, a prominent sustainability leader in the industry. So we've all got our heads screwed on right. I know that. <laughs> Um, however, I think it's it's not unusual in some projects, um, especially if you work in the field, you, you'd sort of be exposed to it a bit where, you know, these vital considerations are actually simply squished in after the fact. So if you can make it a priority, um, that would be awesome. I actually have a, a really lovely example to show you guys um, of an example of, you know, this being sort of implemented in the beginning stages. Can you see my screen? We can, thank you. Awesome, you're very welcome. So these photos were actually provided to me uh, by a good friend of mine in the industry called Isaac Smek. Um, he might be online today and he's certainly worth connecting with. He is absolutely incredible. So these are some images from MOA. Um, so these are construction images, obviously. Um, now, I think just straight off the bat, you can see that they've put a huge amount of consideration into the shape of this building. It is just a house. Um, but you can see these amazing organic curved shapes that are actually just going to have glass infill. So they're going to have this amazing light throughout, um, throughout the building. And I really like this photo on the left hand side. So this is Isaac's gorgeous little child here um, roaming around on site. But what I like most about this image is you can see the house next door. And there's nothing wrong with brick houses at all. But I have to say, it's such a juxtaposition when you see that sort of, um, you know, quite generic, potentially even bland brick wall up against something that is um, going to just be so magnificent in, in the way that these people are going to navigate this house. I think this is a beautiful example. And mm. I, uh, I actually have another example of his that he showed me. And it's, it's just to see this house when it's finished. I know. Maybe we could all have like a little tour, Isaac. Maybe we could all <laughs> come and visit. Um, now, this is just an example of uh, window placement. So I've seen quite a lot of photos of this project and um, it's quite clear that, you know, they have direct neighbours, you know, these people aren't in the countryside. But I think just the use of glass and the use of window placement in this building is just beautiful. You know, you get these little... Um, these little nuggets of nature as you walk around, it frames it in such a way which would be almost impossible to ignore when you would be walking through here. So I think um, this is a really cool example of implementing those sort of connections with nature in the initial stages. Um, but of course, sorry, Andrew, go. No, I was just going to say there is a comment here about um, concrete and, yep. uh, and concrete, as we know, is a, a fantastic product and very flexible, but isn't always uh, environmentally sensitive. So I guess when we are designing and we're connecting with nature from a biophilic perspective, we're not, it's not necessarily, um, uh, we're not necessarily talking about sustainability, but obviously had they used timber instead of concrete, it would have had a, a better sustainability uh, outcome as well, I guess was the, the point of the comment. So, but, yeah. but, but biophilia and sustainability, 
should go hand in hand, but may not always go hand in hand. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think sometimes, um, you know, when I'm showing examples, I am looking directly at the biophilic principles and not the overall um, uh, sustainability of the building. Yeah, correct. Um, but I think, you know, if and this is why I love your audience, Andrew, because, you know, we're all just on the forefront of this sustainability um, uh, war, for lack of a better word, you know, we're, we're really trying to make a difference. And if I can show you an example of some a, a design that is is really um, connecting people with nature and your viewers go away and they use their materials that they know are actually uh, more sustainable and make a difference on a materiality level, then that's just awesome. That's right. And of course, you know, um, it's horses for courses. Sometimes concrete is going to be the best thing to use. Other times there are materials out there that you can use, like timber, especially, um, you know, um, rough sawn timber or, or natural timber. If you don't have the, the, the budget for that, I'll put in a plug for WeatherTex because WeatherTex, <laughs> <laughs> I have to, don't I? Uh, WeatherTex is unbeaten at this price point in terms of it's better than zero carbon footprint and, uh, and can be used in very creative ways. But looking, getting back to your examples here, what we're seeing here is just, Nature is always just a glance away, isn't it? It's something that's, that's in this case, just outside the window. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, in this project, like how phenomenal to have achieved that in those initial stages. But um, I know that, you know, that the main thing in your question, Andrew, was, you know, can we retrofit? And the answer to that is um, absolutely you can retrofit. You know, it's about uh, pulling up those biophilic principles every time we design and, and really making sure that we can tick some of those off. Obviously, plants are a really fantastic way of doing that, but there's also natural materials, um, you know, really beautiful use of lighting, you know, things that actually uh, represent something natural. And I've got one little example, and Andrew, you'll laugh at this one. Okay. Because this is where Andrew and I met. I had the um, Oh, yeah. This is pleasure. fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I had the pleasure of working at Karoma Collins for almost a year, and I have to say, having um, a desk that faces a tree when you're inside like a warehouse type scenario is just kind of, you feel like the luckiest person on earth. So um, there this is are the more... best. This is the best bathroom hardware showroom on, on the planet. It really is. <laughs> it's yeah, absolutely. I would so encourage you outside of lockdown to, to go and visit because even just, um, you know, as, as a design, it's just stunning. And exactly. This is the bathroom on the bottom right hand side here, you know, you go to the bathroom, you're surrounded by natural materials and this gorgeous natural light. And then you've got this lemon tree, just like a, an actual lemon tree growing out of, of the middle of this basin area. It's, it's just beautiful. Everywhere you look, you have something natural looking back at you. And I just, I, yeah, it's just my favourite example to and, use. And I believe that was a collaboration between landscape architects and architects um, it's in 39 Collins Street in Alexandria. No matter what you might think about Chroma as a product, go and have a look at the showroom. Um, the really amazing thing, apart from the fact that it's an old warehouse that's been converted and it's full of trees and plants, is the fact that you can flush just about every toilet. You can turn <laughs> on every shower. You can, you can wash your hands in all the basins. They've got it all set up to a, um, a roof. They harvest the water off the roof. And I don't know of any other hardware showroom where you can try before you buy. And in fact, I believe Deborah DeYoung, who's the manager down there, a fantastic person, she tells me that on the weekend, kids sometimes use the toilets that are in the middle of the yeah. showroom because they work, which would be interesting. 
Correct. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, go and check out Chrome Rock Columns. It's an amazing piece of architecture. And so um, one more question, two more questions, actually. Um, Matilda, do you feel that biophilia is becoming more and more popular and more important uh, as we move as we move forward? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm seeing this big wave, uh, particularly on social media, obviously, because we're not really getting out much um, of what I would describe as like botanical design, you know, um, lots and lots of plants, which I love, you know, I have plants everywhere in my house, it's ridiculous. Um, I think people are really starting to feel the value of having nature in their lives. And, you know, is it with the intention of using biophilia? Um, I really don't know. But I really do think that any effort to reconnect with nature is a positive. Uh, and the more that we can um, collaborative, sort of collaboratively, can't even speak, um, you know, spread the word that this want or need for nature in our lives, it actually has a name, you know, it actually has a theory, um, the more people can actually act personally and, and professionally. And, and as in regards to its importance, I don't think it's ever actually been so important than it is now. We are spending a huge amount of time indoors. You know, we were spending 90% of our time indoors anyway, um, so I don't even want to know what it is now. <laughs> and, um, you know, I think it's really vital to consider nature as something that that we need again, you know, not just something that we reserve for for holidays or a trip in the park, you know, because, you know, who's having holidays? <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, you can't really go anywhere. Yeah. Um, and, it, and if people want to learn more about biophilia, where can they go? Oh, you should come to me. I'm going to share my screen again. Please. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know what, I would love to be your first point of call. So you can actually just scan that little uh, LinkedIn QR code there if you want to connect with me. Um, I'm not saying I know everything, but I am so happy to be the first point of call for you. And I will happily direct you to whatever research or um, books there are out there if you want to do your own research. Um, but that's my email address too, if you want to just reach out. I, I'd love to, you know, continue the conversation. So if you've got the time and you want to uh, go for it. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Matilda. We really appreciate you taking time out from your new position as well today. So thank you, thank you. to your new employers. <laughs> and that was really fantastic presentation. I loved the images that you shared with us today. I think this is the first one we've done where our guest has actually shared um, their screen. So that was incredible. Um, so thank you again, Matilda. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I so appreciate it. Bye. Pleasure. See you, Matilda. See you, everyone.